Welcome to Headlines. This is David Lichtenstein at the Yeshiva Shalmaila. We have had this week something really monumental. Our millionth listener, our millionth download between the website, the radio, uh, the phone lines, as well as the app. That's one million. That's, that's something really Baruch Hashem be proud of. So uh, we find wherever we go, I hear people saying, oh, I discussed this topic, that topic. And again, I just put it out there, I give the ideas, and it's for all of you to disagree or argue about. Something to be proud of. This week, we have a fabulous program. We are going to be speaking about signing an organ donor card. In the United States, thousands and thousands of people die a week. And there is Yisrael a year for lack of organs. So is there a mitzvah? To sign an organ donor card, an organ donor card means when somebody is considered brain death, brain dead according to the Harvard criteria, where there's absolutely no chance of them becoming back alive. And I think it's important to say the difference between a vegetative state, where there are a very small amount of people who have gotten better, it's in the single digits, but total brain death, nobody has ever come back to life. We'll hear the chief neurologist of Mount Sinai talk to that, even though there are abundant who are going to disagree. But after total brain death, well, should they allow for heart organ transplants? And what would be, a person can save six to eight people, two kidneys, liver, and multiple parts of the liver, um, the heart, lungs. Imagine the schuss of six or eight people being alive, Rahman after somebody died. And we will have a number of wonderful Rabban, and we will have a clip from Hagarin Reb David Feinstein, the son of, he will say over the sheet of Ramosha Feinstein in this. We will have Herb Yonison Binyamin Weiss, the Avbezdin of Montreal, the chief rabbi of Montreal. We will have Herb Shmuel First, the Dayan of Chicago. We will have Rabbi Robbie Berman, the founder and director of the Halachic Organ Donor Society. We will have Dr. David Simpson, director of the Clinical Neurophysiology Laboratories and Director of NeuroAIDS Program at Mount Sinai Hospital. So we have really a very impressive group of people. Before we begin, I want to say a vart, a current news vart that is, I think, very tyrannic. Unless you've been tyrannic, or really out of touch with the news, you're aware, anybody who reads the paper today is aware of this new plague that is going on in America, sexual harassment. You know, Trump almost didn't become president because of it. Maybe he did become president. He brought in all the women who had been harassed by the former president, Bill Clinton, to sit by his debates to prove the point. We have now uh, a senator who's stepping down. We have another big Senate case in Alabama that's contingent upon this. We've had, you know, businessmen, uh, uh, movie producers, politicians, representatives stepping down. But it's all over the news. Every article you open, and you're thinking, what does that have to do with headlines? What is the first story of sexual harassment you've ever heard? Well, I'll tell you, you probably don't remember. When you studied it, you didn't understand it. But the definition of sexual harassment is an unwanted advance. And when did that happen? It says, Vatetse Dina, the story of Dina. It says, Vayaneha. Right? So that was sexual harassment. And what happened? Something very interesting. What happens with sexual harassment with women or with minors? Or it could be boys too, right? Men too. What happens? Usually people are quiet. And why is it? Either they're ashamed 
or they feel that they're threatened in some way if they'll speak up. A lot of the women say, we would have lost our careers, we would have lost our jobs, we would have been embarrassed in the community, etc. What does it say by the story of Dina? It says, Yaakov and the brothers did not know what to do. They were stymied. And Yaakov said, we, we could be threatened by the Ummah Ilam if we do anything. And two of the, quote-unquote, the brothers who had Azaz the Kedusha, Shimon and Levi, what did they do? They stood up for their sister, and everybody knows what they did to Shechem, the town of Shechem. So, what does Yaakov say at the end of the story? Yaakov turns on them, and Yaakov says, what did you do? You caused us to be endangered, but all the Umay Sa'ilam that surround us, you, we were threatened. Our lives were threatened. Our careers were threatened. All the stories we have today. And what did Shimon and Levi answer? They said, Hakizayna Yase Esachiseinu. And Yaakov is quiet. He doesn't respond. It seems that they had the last word. Now here's what's interesting. Hakizayna Yase Esachiseinu seems wrong. They should have said, Hakizayna Asu Esachiseinu. They made our Seinu. Yah said the Yud is always Al Shem Asid. Rashi says by Uz Yashir. Allah believe Yud is always goes on the future, right? A Yud is a is a is a point. It means a, an idea enters your head, something that will happen. So they said, Hakazaina, yeah, will we will we in the future make our our sister a Zaina? They should have said they made her a Zaina. But here's the thought. When something bad happens, when a child is is sexually molested a child, a girl, a young woman, whatever age it is, right? Two things happen. There's, there's, there's hurt at the time. But there's also tremendous shame. Maybe a sense of guilt. Maybe a sense of feeling less. Maybe a sense of being, you know, pogum, damaged. So how do we approach it? If we're silent and we look at this person and we don't say anything, it's sort of shtika kaida. All fears are true. You thought you were less? <laughs> I'm not saying anything. Am I going to say something about that? You thought you are dirtied? You thought that maybe you were guilty? Maybe because you were a child? Children feel, you know, when, children, when parents get divorced, the children feel guilty that somehow they were responsible. We've heard child psychologists say, whatever happens to the child, the father loses his job, makes no sense. Child feels he's guilty. That's the way children are. So, you think it happened. You're guilty. Say nothing. So you know what Shimon and Levi say? Hakazina Yase in the future. If we don't say anything, we are the ones creating it. If we don't give them back their dignity, if we don't speak up and say, those are bad people, you are right. Hakazina Yase in the future, you, me and you are recreating this event for this child or for this young person or for this older person who was molested. We are creating it. So, thousands of years ago, Shibbin and Levi are setting the standard for sexual harassment, how people should respond. Do we say, you know, it's, it's, it could cause a damage to the mishpacha, embarrassment. Do we say, you know, look the other way, life moves on, it could hurt your career, be quiet to say, no, you will never regain, they will never regain their dignity if we don't speak out. And you know what? Even worse than that, if we don't speak out and protect them, we are doing it today. We are recreating that event today. So I always speak about how the Torah is forever, and it speaks to every situation. In the biggest 
argument going on in America, the hottest debate today, why did 100 actresses not speak out against Harvey Weinstein? They were afraid of their careers. You know what the says? If you don't speak out, you will lose your dignity. And those who don't speak out are recreating that event today because the Tyra is a living Tyra Schaim. Speaks to every situation in our lives. So let's talk about organ donation. Let me give you a little hakdama. When there is total brain death, oh, so what, what, before we start about brain death, this is how it works. When a person, Rahman al-Atzlan, is in an accident and there is brain death, so at that point, but as long as the heart is circulating blood, the liver, the kidneys, the heart can all be used for a transplant and it could save other lives. If, however, we wait until the heart stops beating, the, the the organs decay in three minutes and they are not usable again for a lack of oxygen. They are not usable for organ donation. So therefore, it becomes a very big halachic question. Do we say that brain death, at which point mechanically they allow the heart, because once the brain, there's a station of, of brain, the heart automatically stops. The signal to the heart, the pump, comes from the brain. That science agrees on, doctors don't, uh, doctors agree on, nobody disagrees with that. So do we say if there's brain death, but we could keep mechanically breathing, then you could take the organs? Or as many Paiskim say, no, as long as the heart is breathing, we have to be chayshish for life, and therefore you have to wait for the cessation of the heart, and therefore most of the organs, except for cornea and skin, are not usable. And what does this create? That creates an artisrol. There's a very big shortage of a varim for transplants. And in fact, since Israel does not do transplants, well, they were thrown out of the European transplant thing. Well, they, Europe will not uh, will not uh, give send them. So that is what we will speak about today, and we'll speak about it from a halacha a little bit, from a hashkafa point of view. So it's interesting. Reb Moshe writes in one of his tshuvas that brain death is like has a din. Of Hitz Moicha, it's like his 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 head was cut off. Like it's a, it's a Mishnah in the end of Allah that says if you cut the head of a of a lizard off, even though it's still twitching, it doesn't matter anymore. It has a, basically a din that it's uh, it's it's decapitated is automatic death. You hear about it? So, so Rabbi Tendla famously wrote you know wrote up a tshuva for a Moshe, and he writes that once there's brain death, automatically that means the breathing has stopped. Once the breathing has stopped naturally, at that point, organ donation would be permissible. So we'll have on, we'll listen to Reb David Feinstein speak about, is it the heart, stoppage of the heart, or stoppage of the uh, breathing that causes death? And he will say, Ramesh's death, the position is, once breathing stops, even if it's continued unnaturally, it's basically that the person is dead. And based upon that, and with brain death, automatically there would come cessation, there are many in Eretz to Rav Harashi in says, okay, with brain death, with total brain death, that means you'd be able to do a transplant. That will be the topic of today's discussions. So before we go to a clip from Rev. David Feinstein, it was in the middle of some question and answer interview that we got. I want to pose the following question, and I was not able to get a resolution to this. I tried. According to those Paiskim who believe that it's only heart and lung, it's not brain death that counts. So think of the following situation. You have a guy, his name is Mendel, Mamish, Ahimishid, Chsidishid, gets Rachman al-Tan, he's in an accident, his body is mangled, and he says he's going to die, his brain is fine. In the hospital next to him, there's a football player, Tony, 
who's the exact opposite. He had brain death and his body is fine. So you have a doctor, he does a brain transplant, and this will happen in our lives. They transplant the brain of Mendel into Tony. Tony gets up a few days later, he's covered with tattoos, and he says, Brenga had the Negelvasa, he calls his wife, Rezel, come. He goes to Shul, he davens Vislahavas, he goes to base Medrash, he learns the Bachlekes, the Prima Godem, and the Chayodem, the Gmamish comes home, kisses all his kids, he has a tattoo, what could he do? Are you going to say the second person is not men? This Tony, who's now his man, who's he going to say? You can say Tony, you're going to say he's Mendel. He doesn't know anything about football. He doesn't know how to play football. He's a goof, but the whole brain is the old person, right? So how could somebody take the position that brain death doesn't matter? And I'll tell you a funny situation that would come. According to the Paiskim who holds that it's, that it's heart death that's Kaveh, the body that they took Mendel's brain out of, Mendel's brain, could still pump for another year mechanically. So you're going to say, now there's two Mendels. As the old Mendel is lying in bed here, and there's new Mendels running around. Doesn't that sound absurd? I, I just couldn't get to the bottom of it. So here's, uh, the, the, here's what David Feinstein discussing. Is it breathing that counts? Which, by the way, brain death causes the immediate cessation naturally without a machine of, of breathing, or is, it, or is it the pumping of the heart that counts? I believe that was the question. Listen to his response. And my father's position was uh, very simply that the stopping of breathing is a point of that's death. It doesn't matter if the heart is functioning or it doesn't function. So long as he stops breathing, he's considered dead. That's the way he explained the Gemarian human. That's the way he said they always did in Europe when the clever Kaddisha went to test if a person is dead or not. And he always just attests his breathing and nothing else. I'll repeat again the same thing. If the breathing has stopped, then he's considered dead. And that's it. Nothing e else. Even if the heart's still beating. Right. Right. And anything else is not a criterion. That's all. Right. Now, if, the, if all those guidelines go with those guidelines, he would agree with it. And if it doesn't, he doesn't agree with it. Mm-hmm. But I, I understand, I mean, once the person is dead and someone's available to give the organ, why not? Right. Do you think Ramosha would have encouraged people to sign organ donor cards? I doubt it, but I don't know. In your opinion, what's the reason that Ramosha's opinion on brain deaths is so shrouded in, in, in mystery? Or There's many, many different sides on how to understand Ramosha. I mean, what? There's only one way. I don't think anybody argues that point. It's very simple, so, cessation of breathing. I don't think anybody ever said differently. Right, but when Rem Mordechai Tendler wrote up the health care proxy for the RCA, when Rem Moshe Tendler wrote uh -huh. up the health care proxy, many people came out and were saying not necessarily he is, the, you know, that he has a real understanding of Rem Many people were saying, voicing that opinion. It never changed. It depends how you want to word it. If I tell you succession of breathing and you say, oh, that brain death is that, I don't agree with that. I don't know anything about brain death. Quote me correctly. That's all, nothing else. And that's the whole argument against Rabbi Tendler. Because he translated cessation of breathing into brain death. Yeah, fine. He might be 100% right. I'm not even disputing the point. But what's the difference? He could say this... 
brain dead, cannot breathe, and therefore he is considered dead. That's the way he should be worried. He was very makbid that its words should not be changed. Quote him as is. He cannot breathe. Nothing else. So it was just due to the wording. That's the way it. Every... So I'm saying so. That was the dispute, the original dispute. There were people disputed Rabbi Tendler's opinion that brain death is stopping of, of breathing. That's all. And if he's 100% right, no one's going to argue with him. So, so you're saying, in your opinion, um, if we could, if it's proven medically what Rabbi Tendler is saying, that then you that would definitely be Ramosha's opinion, right? Hundred percent. But you're not sure that it has been proven. You're saying I don't. I have no idea. I'm not saying I'm sure. I'm not sure. I have, it's not my field. I don't know. Right. My father's at Sal's position of what constitutes death is when a person cannot breathe on his own. It doesn't matter if his heart is working or is not working. Would it then be your opinion that Ramosha then would encourage organ donation in that situation? One has nothing to do with the other. If you're talking about here's a patient available for a heart transplant, fine. He would definitely encourage it. If you're talking about put it into the face, uh, into the a tank or whatever you want to call it, I doubt if you would agree with it. Again, I can't vouch for it, but I doubt. I think oh, my whole purpose here is just to verify the position of stopping of breathing, and I think uh, my services are ended. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate it. We have the honor of having with us from Montreal, Canada, Harav Hagoyen, Rebionis, and Benjamin Weiss, who's the chief rabbi and Av Bezdin of Montreal. Welcome, Rabbi Weiss. Shalom Aleichem. Shalom Aleichem. So Rabbi Weiss, what is the definition of death according to halacha? Um, that's not uh, that simple to answer. Um, the definition of death according to halacha is uh, basically the total cessation of respiratory and circulatory uh, function. And uh, it's uh, discussed at length in the Gemara, in in, in Halacha, in Shachnorach, how to check a person who's buried under rubble to see if he's still alive or not. And uh, to take that uh, definition into a a, a hospital setting is, is very challenging. And why would that be? Because um, with today's... Um, Modern, modern uh, machinery, you can keep a person alive uh, uh, much longer than he would if he would not be in a hospital. You can connect him to a respirator. You can, you can use various uh, medications to, to sustain his blood pressure and um, cardiac function. So um, the, the, the question arises, what happens when a person is connected to all these type of machines and he is uh, given life support, when, when is the moment of death? So given all those complications, if you have somebody who would, you know, without these machines, would not have uh, circulation or uh, respiratory function, but he's hooked up because of the machines, how would you halachically define him? That, that's the problem. As long as there is respiratory function, even when it's uh, uh, with uh, with the life support machinery, 
we, we cannot define him as dead because there is respiratory function. Okay. That, that 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 that's what uh, compli- complicates the the, the, the equation. Yeah. So, what is the halachic status of of total brain death? That's also up for discussion, but it's it's more or less accepted that if there would be a way to determine that there's total brain uh, total brain destruction, meaning that the the brain it's both the upper brain and the lower brain this brainstem aren't functioning anymore, that the person is not alive anymore. But it's, 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 extreme, extremely, it's basically impossible to determine. And so as long as there's respiratory function, we cannot uh, declare him as dead because we don't know what's happening in the brain. Now, Rabbi Weiss, and I'm not an expert, but looking through the chuvis of the Tzitzel Yezer, the Minchas Yitzchak, Rabbi Yashiv and Rabbi Vosner, and even Rabbi Bleich, they seem to believe that total brain death would not be, uh, 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 would not, it, it, even if it were, as the Rav said, we, we were able to, um, Ramayshis clearly says, that, but if, if the other Paiskim seem to say, even with total brain death, we would not consider the patient halachically dead. Do you agree that there is such an opinion, or am I reading? Yes, no, no, yeah, you're totally correct. Correct. I'll tell you why. In the mission, we find. A matzah, which is which, which a person is, which a, any any organism can be declared dead. Who does heroish? If there's physical decapitation, then the person is no longer alive, even though there is movement of the body. The Chazal defined that as kezanav like a lizard's tail, which might have motion, but since it's detached from the body, it's not considered alive. So if there would be physical decapitation, everyone agrees, as the Mishnah says, is matama. And he's a Dina Canavailo or Dina Kames, so that's no question. The question is if there's only physiological decapitation, meaning that the, the brain is no longer f- virtually connected to the body, that there's no blood circulation. But studies have shown, and there's evidence for that, that even when there's a total de- declaration of cessation of uh, uh, total brain function, nevertheless, there are functions which the brain still controls in the body. Um, one of them is called hemiostasis, which is uh, the, the, the level of, of, of fluids in the body which are controlled by the brain. Then there is a temperature, there is the healing process. Wounds can heal even when a person is declared as brain dead. So that, that, that shows that there is always some brain activity much longer than 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 uh, any tests might might uh, define. But let's get back to your question: If brain death, total brain death, can be considered decapitation, according to Rav Bleich, only when there's total destruction of the brain tissue. Uh, Shlomo Zalman would agree, in theory, if the, if there's a, if, if it's clear that there's no that the, the brain is dead and no functioning anymore, but he says that it's impossible to determine. So it's more a theoretical question. It's not a, it's not a practical question because it's impossible to determine. Rabbi, we do have people like the Tzitz and the Minchas Yitzchak who seem to imply that even if it was total brain death, uh, it is it is the, the they base it on the Chassam Seifer. I mean, notwithstanding the mission in Halos that the Rav is discussing, they 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 seem to say that um, it is the heart and the uh, and the breathing that are kaveya whether a person is alive. Even with total brain death. Yes, yes, I agree. 
And there is such an opinion among Israeli Paiskim. Is that fair to say? Yes, absolutely. So I would have a question that, and that's what I'm struggling with, because it's not, it's not such a small opinion. It's like <clears throat> many of the, the, the Paiskim in Eretz Yisrael, if, if there is a doctor in Italy who claims he can do a head transplant, he's done it on mice, and many of the neurologists we've spoken to say that just like at one time they never believed a kidney transplant would be possible, or a liver transplant, or a heart certainly would be possible, or a Moshe held it was, it was you were killing the person with a heart transplant at the beginning of its, you know, its inception. There are many neurologists who believe that there will be at some point a brain transplant. And they said it's complicated, but it's ultimately doable. So according to the Paiskim Yisrael, like the Tzitzeliezer, the Menchas Yitzchak, Ravazno, say it's all totally in the heart and the lungs. If they were to take the brain out of a, a person and put him into another individual who was otherwise healthy, whose body was healthy, just had had brain trauma, was dead, and put it into the new person, I mean, would the second person, according to these Paiskim, would, would the first body that the brain was taken out of still be the, the uh, alive? I mean, you could have a situation where you have a, a finer well, error. I, I don't. I don't. You know, I think we're getting off course. We, 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 I thought we were talking today about about organ donation. Yeah, but I'm I'm just trying to understand those Paiskim who believe that even with absolute brain death, the the body is still alive. You could have a situation where the brain is removed from. Uh, Mendel or Achman Olson, who, da, who, is, who has brain death, put into Joe, and where you would say that Mendel is still alive, even though the new person, Joe, is walking and going to Davin and going to the mikveh and going to learn. So I'm just trying to understand those Paiskim who believe that even after after absolute brain death, as long as the first, as long as the person is breathing, even if it's panically, or 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 and the heart is pounding, the person is still alive. I, 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 that's what we're grappling with. So I, I don't understand your, your difficulty to understand that. When a person is alive, is, he's alive. If, if there's no, if there's no determination of death, according to the Chassam Sofer, because there's still movement and there's still breathing, so he's still alive. So what's the problem if a part of his body is in another, in another body? So now the second person has the okay, operation. Let's 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 stick to to organ donation. Uh, the question was um, at one at what point is it possible to to take organs from person A and give them to person B. And, of course, that depends if organs can be taken out of person A. Because person A is being killed by taking the organs out of him. That was... Um, that okay, was, yeah. I, I was just struggling to understand those who believe that it's total organ, total brain death would still be... the person would be alive, how you could have a second person walking around... With the, and, and responding as the first individual, and yet say that the first person is alive. That's what I was. And, and when there's and when there's a heart transplant, Lev oh, the, the Lev has some sort of a feelings. How would we say if the uh, person? Is, I, I think I think that when we say Lev let's say today they can transplant the heart of a pig into a human. So I find that somebody who got a pig's heart. Would he want to go to a piggery and and splash around in the mud? I mean, uh, you know, I, I think it's more important to to talk lemaise uh, than 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 theory. These are these are these well, are you, they academics. Can, but they can't transplant the heart of a pig into a person at this point in time. No, no only valves. 
okay, so would we say that the valve, that the person would, would feel differently because he has a pig's valve? Okay, these are theoretical questions. Let's not let's not go there. Let's let's focus on the questions we, we okay. want to answer. What about what about uh, transplant? Okay, so so let's talk about: Are there any type of postmortem transplants that would be permitted today? Okay, so there, there, there's a major difference between uh, transplants that are taken from a dead body. Or transplants are organs that have to be uh, donated while the person is still alive, and of course that relates to the first question: How long is a person considered alive? So, if a person, uh, like let's say those those organs that have to be still uh, blood circulated to to keep them viable to to be able to use them for the transplant, for instance, a heart or a liver, we have to deal with uh, the the serious problem of killing the the donor. And since the donor has to be sacrificed in order to take those organs out, it's absolutely not allowed according to Aloha, even for a pikuach nefesh, because we know that loisirzach is one of the three major cardinal averes, which even for a pikuach nefesh we cannot uh, be over. So if we have to take an organ while the person's heart is still beating, it's, it's totally disallowed. Post-mortem organs, from uh, those type of organs which can be removed from a dead body, for instance, corneal transplants, skin transplants, bone transplants, which uh, remain viable even when the person is declared total total death, uh, respiratory and circulatory death. Here we get into a different type of uh, shaila, the shaila of uh, nivul hames, and we know we all know the shitasanoi de viuda that he only allows it when there's a choyla lefaneno. So taking out these type of uh, organs to put into a bank is problematic. But if those organs are, are already in a bank, I, I don't see a problem to have them um, transplanted and used uh, to, to to save another person. But if there would be a chayla lefanecha who needed uh, one of these avarim, then it would be mutter according to the night of Yehuda. Yes. Now, let's say it was, could it be done without the donor's permission? Uh, the not. I think the, the postcom discussed this at length. That it, 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 it has to do with matzal atzmoi be mamoino shochaveiroi. And since uh, a, body, a person has uh, ownership on his body, and uh, after his passing, it, it belongs to the estate, um, there's no way to take that without permission. It's, it's gazel. And also, also um, the person has to, to has to agree and consent to have his, his body um, to be desecrated, for, to even to save someone else's life. So this is something which uh, needs needs permission. So let me ask you a question, Robert. If if the person was asked before he was nifta, saying somebody needs your organ to live. Would that person be required to say yes? He can have my organ. That's a good question. Um, a person is not required. You know, there might there might be a mitzvah, but but um, we can't say it's a chiyuv. We can't you can't be machayv the whole world to give money to save someone here or someone there. If he has a, a direct connection to that person, maybe he has a greater chiyuv than someone else, but. This is like um, you can't be a mechaif, someone to to pay to to save someone unless he's 
there on the spot, and um, he has to has to uh, hire people to to and even then he has a right to, to, for compensation to be re- remunerated for any monies he, he has expended for the other person. So, so would you say, Rabbi Weiss, that that um, you know many people are hesitant to give a kidney? It's 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 you know it's scary. It's, it's it could be painful. It's it's to undergo an operation is not a simple thing. But if somebody knew post death that somebody would need their avarim, that would be a, a, a big mitzvah to do. Well, kidney transplants are, are live transplants. People give kidneys to their friends or to their children, and this is a totally different question. If a person is obligated to donate part of his body to save someone else, is it a chiyuv? Is it a mitzvah? Is it allowed? Is it recommended? This is a, a very broad debate on this subject, and, and it covers also bone marrow transplants, and 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 even blood transplants. There's a machlokes in the poskim if we can be mechayev someone to give blood. Uh, the Tzitzelaza, for instance, had, had, was of the opinion we can't be mechayev. In Kalvachayma, when it comes to bone marrow plants, transplants which are painful and and uh, the person is uh, is bedridden for 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 a few days. The maskon of the poskim is that. When it comes to giving a part of a body, like like a kidney transplant or or a, a, a lobe of a liver, which uh, sometimes uh, is necessary, these are these are issues which uh, involve giving up part of a body. There's the, 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 the known tshuva of the radbaz, that it's daruchei uh, darkenoim, and it's impossible to say that the Torah requires and mandates a person to give away a part of his body to save someone else. So the maskun of the Paiskim is that it's a mitzvah, it's recommended, but it's no chiv. No, but would it make sense to say that if there would be a situation that post-death somebody could give an organ, where at that point it's not painful, it's, it, it, it's, it, they don't have to spend time in a hospital, they don't lose, you know, they don't put themselves at risk that it would kalvachayma, ben benayshul kalvachayma would be a mitzvah? Okay, then, if it's chayla lefaneinu, yet, is it allowed? But but who, who's going who's going to determine ten years earlier that there's going to be a chayla lefaneinu? Yeah, but if it would be chayla lefaneinu, if the chayla lefaneinu and there's no issue of of nivolamis and 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 the person get gave consent, it probably would be a, it'd be a mitzvah. Now, if the person is is obligated to sign such a that's a good question because it, I think the, the the laws and the and the systems in place now for organ transplants don't even allow connecting up the donor with the recipient. It has to go through registries and so it's it's it's, it's a theoretical question. It's not a well, in but in Eretz it's a more realistic question where they allow more. Uh, matching that they do in America, and where what, what do they say? Uh, many people die in Eretz Yisrael because of a lack of a recipient, a lack, a, of, a a lack, of, donor, lack of a lack donor. of a donor. Yeah, yeah, but but you know those people that will die without a donor, most of these, all of these people need need organs which are taken out of a living person, yes. a person that is not declared dead yet. So that, that that's the real reason why there's a lack of. Organs. Okay, so R- Rabbi Weiss, if if there would be a way to ascertain total brain death, mm-hmm. right? Would you say that signing a donor card would be a possible thing? 
No, because let me tell you why. There's a, there was an, there's an interesting uh, debate, or debate, the debate was basically resolved. Um, many years ago, about 20 years ago, the Rav Anutarashit and Etzisol um, gave out that very famous psaac that they, they rely on brain death, and all the other poskim uh, disagreed. Not only that, not only the poskim and Etzisol, but it's very known that, that the RCA in America appointed a halachic committee to to look into this in 2010, and they decided against the definition of brain death, and the same is with the London Besden and Tufshi and Ayn Aleph. So this is almost a consensus against brain death. Now, even the Rabbanut that allowed the definition of brain death, I'm in possession of a letter of the former chief rabbi, Rav Amar. He wrote in Tufshi and Ayn Aleph that even when they agreed, uh, meaning uh, Marana Ravovadia and him, uh, and the Rabbanut to 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 the law in Israel about about brain death. Nevertheless, they did not allow it when it comes to to organ donation because organ donation, they feel they felt that there's a perzegdoyle and you can't really rely on the doctors that they're not going to take out the organs before total total brain death. So it's it's more of a question of the practicality of how it's done it's, mm-hmm. than a question of halacha. Yes. So, yeah. Um, and and so, of course, of course, we have those poskim that say that that the brain death alone is not enough. We need we need we need the cessation of respiration and circulatory function. But, we, we, but I, I just, we don't understand that opinion. We've agreed, right? <laughs> what do you mean we don't understand? But that's an opinion, and that's halacha. If we understand or not is irrelevant. So, so well, let me just tell you, if we, if you accept that opinion, this is what could happen. Theoretically, you could do a brain transplant from Mechel or Mendel to Joe, some a football player, where Joe gets up the next morning, he's walking around, he's learning with his chavrusa, he 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 knows his wife and kids, he has no idea who Joe's family is, and where Mechel, the old body is still alive. So basically, he's turned into two people, which is something that is very hard to understand. So that's why you want to be doicha the divrayaposkim, the chasam soifer, and the mechasitzik, and all the rest. I'm sorry. No wait, wait. Some, you know, wait. if my if my if my if my understanding is is lacking, it doesn't it doesn't change the halacha. But the chasam with the chasam soifer and 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 the other poskim who say before them that say that let's say he says heartbeat and breathing, the the simple reading of that is that they're saying that it's. Before they had brain scans in the times of the Chassam Seifer, the way, like Ramesha writes, the way to, they, in Europe they saw how a person is alive was by testing breathing, was by testing heart. So it's, the question is, is it a sebo or a simen? And the argument would be that the Chassam Seifer is saying that it's a simen and it's not a seba, that the, 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 the person is not their heart. A person can get a heart transplant, the mechanical exactly, heart. Exactly, exactly. So what is the, is, what is the, def, the definer of death? No one knows. No, only Hakadosh Baruch knows the moment when he takes away the neshama, and no one knows, and no one can know. We can only de- de- define the moment after death. If we see when a person is lifeless, we know he's not alive. But the moment of death is not something we can we can determine. Well, so I'm saying, so theoretically, you could have one person who becomes two people. Then, with the, okay, with well, the so, so, so what? So what? Okay. So, Rabbi Rabbi Weiss, if if brain death is considered ritzicha. Mm-hmm. Right, because uh, uh, would we be permitted to receive organs from such a person? And we had on somebody from the Organ Donation Society. He said that before they do 
uh, a transplant, they actually do a tissue sampling to match the two parties. So party one, the recipient knows that once he's matched, they're going to take somebody else whose brain is alive and basically kill him to take his organ out. Mm-hmm. Would be a recipient of an organ be mutter, or would you be considered a, a, a gram of retzicha? The, the, this this topic was was raised um, about uh, 25 years ago by Shagafayvul Cohen Schlitter, the Balmachaber of the Bade Hashulchan. He wrote a famous letter to the both Rav Shlomo Zalman Oliver Shalom and Rav Yosef Oliver Shalom, and that letter is printed in in Nishmas of Rome. He 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 brought he brought up this concern that by by agreeing, by consenting to receive that that organ, the the heart or whatever it is, he is basically complicit in taking someone's life. And um, both Rav Eliyashem, both Rav Shlomazalman, very interesting. They both uh, wrote two separate shuvas and and they based their decision on different arguments. But both of them reached the same conclusion that in Chutz Loritz, where we have Rav non-Jews, it is allowed. But in Israel, we rave are Jewish. The doctors are Jewish, and the patients, rave patients, are Jewish. It is not allowed even to save a life. What would be the difference? Gram the Rambam brings is the same halacha, but pashtas. I mean, there are those who disagree. Okay, you know that this is not this is not for a public discussion. But the issue, I think, what Rabbi Shlomo Zalman is is pointing at is that the the is there to prevent a goy, which is a doctor, of of of, of doing a pool of retzicha, is not pikoch nefesh is doicha that iser. It's not considered complicit in 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 taking a life when when the 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 retzich is a goy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Of course, and of course the the the, the donor is non Jewish. And that that is their maskona. So if it's still applicable today, it all depends on this in this in this equation. If roiv uh, donors and uh, doctors are non-Jewish, then it's allowed. In other words, there's no be no dinner misayel advaravera by goy, but there would be a dinner misayel advaravera by yid. Yeah, but now no, but we're dealing here with pikuach nefesh. Maybe there is an iser misayel in isalif neiver, but we're dealing with pikuach nefesh. If pikuach nefesh overrides. Uh, this type of iser, and their maskona was that it does. It went, where we're dealing with a non-Jew. So, so it would not be lifna ivera because it's it's it's. It's, uh, betray, guess, it's not betrayer than ara. Exactly. But it would be so. So it would be a shail of misayeya. So misayeya of 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 ritzicha by a yisrael. Would be asa, but mesayeya baratzicha by a non Yisrael would be mutter. No, it wouldn't be mutter. It wouldn't be mutter, but pikuach nefesh is doicha. The pikuach nefesh is doicha. The isa mesayeya by a guy, but it's not doicha. The isa mesayeya by a That's basically the psak. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, Rabbi Weiss, as always, it's a great honor having you on with us. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Well, Good job. We have the honor of having with us from Chicago. Rav Hagoyin, Rav Shmuel first. He's the Rav of Agudis Yisrael of Chicago. He is the uh, the Dayan of Aguda, and he the famous Paisik from Chicago. Welcome, Rav first. So, Rabbi first, could you tell us, since you're a, a very close Talmud Ramesha, it's very disputed. What is the what was the das of 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 the Baligris Maisha? 
when is somebody halachically dead? How did Ramosha look at brain dead? That he had a din of nitzitz moichai. How did he look at it? According to, according to, I've spoken to Ramosha a number of times about, I called him from Chicago, a number of issues on a person who's dying, when he's considered dead or not. Not once did Ramosha ever mention to me about brain death. He always asked me, what's with the heart? He never asked him about the brain at all. And I spoke to other Talmudim from Ramosha, and they told me the same thing. Whenever it came to Shiloh, when they called them up, he never asked about the brain. He always asked about the heart. From his previous chuvas, that he clearly, he says clearly, he's telling the heart and not the brain. There's only, there's a chuva, there's two chuvas, but the latest chuva, which is written to Dr. Bundy, is, I think it's in Chelech Ches, Igus Moshe. There's a chuva, I got a copy of it, it's not a Xaviat from Moshe, it's a typed, it's typed with a so-called Ramosha's Chesima. I don't believe Ramosha signed it. It's not his handwriting at that time. And I don't, I, I don't think Ramosha would agree that brain death is dead. Even though I know there's some members of the family that disagree, Laniya's Daiti, I know from firsthand, speaking to Ramosha a number of times, not once did he mention brain death. In fact, even out there in the world, there are many doctors that don't accept the Harvard criteria they don't accept brain death as dead. The person is still alive. There are case histories already. The doctors declared him brain dead, and today they're walking the streets. They were, and they came out of it. Either someone had strokes, they didn't come completely out of it, but they were still living and they're healthy. Plus, even if Shlem Azama writes, even if you say Ramosha did hold brain dead, but there's a steer in Chuvis. So in Chuvis, he says clearly, it's totally the heart, not the brain. So at least it's a Suffolk. You're dealing with Suffolk and Fashis. So Shlem Zalman writes clearly that brain dead is not dead. And he says, even contra Moshe to suffer, we don't know what he held. But Lamaisa Ladina, Shlem Zalman, Yashiv, I heard a person from Visoli Anke Fisher, they all held brain dead is not dead. They consider alive. I heard this from Yashiv, and Shlem Zalman has Kamachu was printed in the Shemesavram, and says clearly that brain dead is not dead. Claw, black and white. So Moshe, you might, I, Percy holds Ramoshel brain that is also next to the dead. And, but even if you do say that the chuvas are, are, are real, at least it's a steering chuvas. So we don't know exactly what he held. So you have to be a mahachman. Suffering the flushes, you go a So certainly we cannot accept that brain that is to the dead is still alive, and we don't accept what other people say that it's to the brain dead. That it's dead. Now, first, if there was a new criteria out, and that criteria would be Badaka Manusa, there was a different test developed, that if that type of brain death, it was absolutely impossible to come out of it, and it, it was nothing, It doesn't make a difference. It doesn't make a difference. First of all, the test is even not 100% uh, clear. That's a good test. But There are many doctors out there, well, I heard from one doctor, but there are many doctors out there that, that claim that the test they make for brain death, for brain death is not a conclusive test. It's not 100% conclusive. It's not a, a good test. And the Shlem Zalm B'chal holds, he now even make the test, because since he can't move a mace before, when he's a geysis, so certainly if he's brain dead, he, he's that category already, then he's at least a geysis. And Shlem Zalm says he can't even make that test. He writes the number of times in the, 
that he writes this in in, in his Chuvas Ram and also in in Sefer Nishmas Avram in Shilam Tesson Yerdeya. So it's clearly the test, and and the doctors say the hunt test is not conclusive. I spoke to a top Israeli doctor, uh, a woman. She was the head of the neo. She was head of a of a children's memorial hospital in Chicago. An Israeli woman, not from, and she told me that brain death is not considered death. So I said, well, can you give it to me in writing? She says she doesn't want to write me because it will show not their heritage to Rabbanus or Rosh Hashanah to sell. But Lamaisa, okay. we, don't, we don't accept that brain death is considered death. So Rabbi First, and I know I'm asking you a luyut, sir. I, I, you know, Rav first was referring to the uh, the brain uh, is Chab- not the brain is not the one to decide if he's dead or not. It's totally in the heart. It's not totally, it's not totally at all in the brain. It's totally in the heart, and that's it. Brain is not to be considered a uh, vegetable, whatever he is, but that's not a criteria to consider a person dead. So even if there's a test that comes out that says Claude that there's no brain waves and his dead is completely near complete there's no brain left at all. Still Afropicane, he's not considered dead. And if you pull and if you pull out the plug, according to Kama Paiskim's Okay. Um which which forecloses the the ability in most cases to do um uh, uh, transplants of Avarim. So it's not like a zero sum game. Like five other people could die because of that. That doesn't make a difference. It's irrelevant. You cannot kill a person to get a heart. That's all. You can't do okay. it. Even though other people will suffer on it, we have no right to kill somebody to save other people. We have on the phone with us from Yerushalayim, um, Robbie Berman, who's the founder and director of the Halachic Organ Donor Society. Welcome, Robert. How are you? Thank you very much for having me. Tell us a little bit about the Halachic Organ Donor Society. Uh, the Hot Society started about 15 years ago. I started it um, mainly because I saw that uh, Israelis were dying uh, because uh, Israel had the worst organ donor rate in the world, in a, a registration rate in the Western world, and uh, they were not allowed to participate in the European, European Union of Organ Sharing because uh, they never had a surplus. You know, um, Spain had at that time like 70 or 80% when they had an opt-in system, and Israel only had 3% of the population had organ donor cards. So <clears throat> when I started, uh, I was a journalist at the time. I didn't start the organization. I wanted to write an article about why Israelis don't donate organs. And I was going to write an article for the Jerusalem Post. And I went to a non-kosher restaurant, waited outside for someone to exit. Because everyone was telling me it was because of religion, which I didn't understand because the majority of Israelis are not religiously or, or halakhically observant, let's say. So uh, this guy came out of the non-kosher Burger King on, on Emek Rafaim. And he had a tattoo on his left shoulder, and he was eating a cheeseburger. And I said, "Do you have an, I'm doing an article for the Jerusalem Post. I said, I'm just curious, do you have an organ on the card? And he said to me the following words, which I'll never forget. He said to me, Ani chas v'chalida z'aso l'fi alacha. So I said... <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is classic. Yeah. Okay. I said, I said, you do realize you're eating a cheeseburger and you get a tattoo? He says, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, when I live my, go, you know, living my life, I don't want to... I don't really care about halakha, but when it comes to death, I don't want to mess around. And you know the story, Robbie, you know the yeah. story that they say that a, a very famous reform rabbi wanted to be buried in a, an orthodox, uh, a basic forest. So somebody asked him why. He said, listen, everybody knows that God is orthodox. 
<laughs> That's pretty funny. Continue. So, and what did you do about it? Oh, so when I saw that this was a reality, and I, I, when I spoke with a bunch of rabbis, I realized they did not understand what brain death was. Even today, I meet rabbis who confuse brain death with PVS, persistent vegetative state, or coma, or brain damage, but they just didn't understand the, the ABCs. For the forget about the halacha, for the medical realities, and then and then then when you take a look at the halacha. I, there were rabbis who didn't understand there were different gears of the Gemara in Yuma, and the Gemara was printed by Bomberg, a Christian Jew. He was the editor at the time in the early 1500s, um, and it seems to be that uh, both the uh, manuscripts that are extant today as well as uh, um, uh, the internal logic of the sugya that we don't have the correct version, the gears that we have, you know, there's different gears on this particular sugya, that the gears that was printed by the Christian editor was not the original gears. So, uh, but, uh, you know, whether you believe, whether you agree with that or not, the point is rabbis were not even aware of it. They just they just weren't aware of it. So I started this organization to encourage uh, Jews to learn about the issues. And, you know, I've said from the very beginning that any article ever written against organ donation will appear on our website. Any rabbi who wants, who's against organ donation, who's willing to be interviewed by me on video, I will place that interview on our website. Um, and uh, we, we you know we're all about education, and we hope people will will learn about the issues and 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 make a choice which they think is the correct choice. But I don't I don't hold anything against people who disagree with organ donation. I am upset with people who don't look into the issue and remain ignorant about it, both from the medical and the halachic perspective. Because you know when it comes down to it, you, me, and every Joe schmo across the street is going to take an organ when they need one. So if you're going to take an organ, uh, you might as well consider donating one. And and to do- consider donating one, you have to learn what the issues are, and people don't know the issues. Now, can you just tell us what is the importance in Israel to um, to having like explain to us the like most people listening, you know, thank God are healthy and don't have issues with organ donation. But for somebody who's been an askin on behalf of the tzibur as a large, like the Chafetz Chaim said, people think that there's like a chevra, like a certain you know uh, an organization of those who die. You have to be signed up, the club of of people who get sick and die. You know, it's so. You know, it, it, you know, it's, it's sort of not a societal thing, but it's the, you, you sign up for it. Um, explain to us what it I means have... not having uh, uh, organs in, in Eretz Yisrael or not having a, a, a healthy organ donor protocol. Uh, I'm sorry, I actually didn't understand what you said. The Chafetz Chaim had said there was some kind of Chafetz Chaim used to joke. He said people would think that is a chevra, like an, an organization or a club, that these are designated as the people who die or get sick. Uh-huh. And, I'm not part of, uh-huh. and I'm not part of that club. Like, why should I gotcha. uh, say tell them? Or be right? I'm not part uh-huh. of that club. Oh, you know? I so I say right. It's not going to happen. The phenomenon of it is not going to happen to me. Yeah, like, or, or right. somebody I know. Or whatever. So explain right, right. to us, what is, explain the importance of organ donation to our you know, community at large. Well, first of all, you know, Jews uh, have a very bad name in the medical community that they take organs, they don't give organs. Uh, The chief rabbi and a number of rabbis in France came out with a ruling this year that Jews can't donate organs, but it's okay to take. Uh, Jonathan Sachs, uh, the former chief rabbi of England, came out with a ruling saying Jews can't donate organs because his bethan doesn't accept brain death. But if Jews ever need an organ, it's okay to take them from, quote-unquote, other people. Who would other people be? I think we all know, right? So, you know, Jews have a bad name that they're known for take organs when they need them, but they don't donate when they're asked. So that's first. Second, um, Israel suffers from a lot of people donating, you know, not donating organs. So uh, people die 
over 100 people die every year. And Israelis, whenever the New York Times and CNN and NPR has reported over the past five years, just Google it, uh, whenever uh, um, black market rings are broken up for uh, trafficking in the, in the illegal uh, market of, black, of organs, Israelis are involved. All the time, Israelis. Um, if you take a look at New York, in America, in America, the average amount of the average amount of Americans that have organ donor cards signed the back of their license is about 45 to 50 percent. Where do most Jews live in America? They live in New York. So New York State has the lowest organ donor rate out of any registration rate out of any state in in, in America. And why? Because the Jews are 25 percent of the population of New York. So they contribute to that. They're not the sole reason, but they contribute to the fact that there's not a lot of donation going on. And when the 7,000 Americans die. In America, waiting for organs, most of them die in New York State because people are not donating in New York State. So this is a huge problem that Jews are dying in Israel needlessly. They're dying in New York needlessly. Jews have a name of not donating organs when they're asked, but trying to buy in the black market. I mean, if the first and only person ever arrested, ever in the history of America, under the 1984 NOTA Act, the National Organ Transplant Act, which prohibits the buying, selling, and brokering of human organs, was Rabbi Isaac Rosenbaum, or an Israeli rabbi living in Brooklyn. How does that look? How does that stain on the Jewish people? When anyone, any, any student anywhere in the world is doing research on organ donation and is doing research on public policy concerning organ donation, and they Google payment for organs, the first thing that pops up is an Israeli Jewish Orthodox rabbi was arrested and put in prison for a few years for buying and selling organs. So this is, like, this is a huge problem. It's not just that people are dying needlessly. It's that there's an incredible Chil Hashem going on, and the Jews have, you know, have a hand in this. Now, here are some statistics. In the United States, every 10 minutes, somebody is added to the organ donor list, and 20 people die each day while waiting for a transplant. Here's Here another it. interesting... Tra one organ donor can save eight lives. Right. So in Israel, it's, in the United States, it's 20 a day. In Israel, it's how many? Well, it's about, it's, it's about 100 a year. So I guess doesn't one that sound... Years. It just doesn't sound right, because if you... Do 20 a day in the United States, that would be um, 20 times 365, would be around 7,000, give or take. And right. what size is Israel compared to the United States? It's, let's say 7, no, 7, 14, 21, 28, 35. It's 150th, 2%. So you're right, it's around one, it should be around 140 based on that, and you say it's 100. Okay. Um, so let's continue. So, um, so, um, so tell us, what have you done about this? So uh, I went around um, trying to sit with rabbis who would give me the, their, their valuable time to go through the sugis with them and uh, explain to them the medical reality of brain death, go through the sugis, and I signed up over 300 rabbis to get organ donor cards, both in Israel and abroad, and that filtered down. Along, with, I worked together with Adi, which is Israel, Israel Transplant here in, Ameri in Israel. I write their halakhic material. I give lectures to their... Um, uh, um, their their uh, transplant coordinators, and there's been a lot of activists on the ground. I mean, Rav Avram Steinberg has been incredible, and he's had a lot of close relationships, a lot of postkim here in Israel. Uh, Shlomo Zaman Arbach, uh, Rav Avad Yosef, and he's done a lot of amazing work with uh, Avram Steinberg, uh, and, and he and some other people and me, like we're trying to push the issue and educate people and get people to to get organ donor cards. So. <coughs> Um, that's that's what we've done, and the numbers have gone up. Instead of 3% now, the population in Israel, close to 16% of wow. the population have organ donor cards. And instead of 120 who are dying every year now, it's, it fluctuates, but it gets down sometimes to 80, 75, okay, By the way, I, I, I figured out the discrepancy why in the United States would be around um, 
7,000 a year and why in Israel it's 100. So we're off by 40. And I think I imagine is that for kidney donors, you probably have a lot of people agreeing to do live transplant. Is that correct? Well, uh, a lot is a relative word. Um, but enough, this, to, enough to save the, the 40 people or so who would otherwise die without a kidney, and that would explain the discrepancy. I imagine that the, the 100 is basically by, based on those who need a you know, kidney, I mean, not kidney, heart, liver, or other such lung, those other you know, arteries that can't be given while alive. It, it's very possible. So, so talk to me, which Rabbanim have signed on to the uh, signing a donor card? And to give me some um, prominent Rabbanim that people would recognize. Right. Um, well, it's a little bit complicated only because a lot of rabbis don't like to sign. I, I know this is weird, but like even the biggest proponent of organ donation in Israel is Rav Avram Steinberg, right? And even he doesn't have our organ donor card. For different, everyone has own, their own reasons why they don't want to get an organ donor card. But if you go to our website, you'll see rabbis who say that, yes, brain death is death, and you should donate organs even if it goes to a non-Jewish person. Um, and these are, you know, prominent rabbis from Avram Steinberg to Rav Dava Feinstein to Rav Mordechai Alperin to uh, Rav uh, Shmuel Eyal, Rav Amar. Wait, I, I, I apologize. I missed you. I, I, we'll, we'll, read, we'll, we'll cut this out. Say it again. Who are the rabbis who, who have signed on or, or who have agreed? You just repeat. Well, well, rab- rabbis, well, rabbis who agree that a beating heart is not a sign of human life. And if the organism is dead, and by sign that the brain is dead, and the right. heart is just beating because you're connected to a ventilator, it beats for a few more days, then they say that that person should donate organs. So living, if you want to living rabbis who agree to that, is Rabbi David Feinstein, the son of Rav Moshe Feinstein. Uh, Rav is, Moshe that in, is that in writing or verbally? It's on, it's on a video. Go to my website, hods.org. Wow, I have to see that. That's wild. Yeah. And that, so we, I'll tell you something funny. When, when, when Ramosha's uh, Piske Chuva came out that said that people should donate organs, people said the Chuvas were forged. So then. Are, are, are you talking about the Bondi letter? No, let me finish. So that was a Piske Chuva of, of Igris Moshe. Then the Bondi letter came out, which had Ramosha saying that, and they said the Bondi letter was also forged. Then Rav Dava Feinstein wrote a letter and saying, I don't know what everyone's talking about. I spoke about this with my father. This was his position. Jews should be organ donors in the hospitals in New York, even if their heart's still beating. And they said about that letter that it was forged. So I went down to the Lower East Side, and I paid $500 for a film crew to go down there. And I got Rav David to agree. And I filmed Rav David, and he says, you know, you should donate organs. That was my father's position. A beating heart is not a sign of human life. And I showed that, and that video is on the website, hods.org. And when you show that video to people, they say the video is edited. So then I want to become a Chabadnik and scream, Admo Soy. Until what point do I have to bend over backwards to prove something to someone that they don't want to hear? People just don't want to believe certain things, no matter how much evidence you bring to them. I then also went and I found a couple of doctors who spoke with Rav Moshe, and they wrote about it, that Rav Moshe said people should be organ donors. And they said, well, those doctors didn't understand. One doctor wasn't Jewish. Okay, so he's not Ed Naman. So then I went to Jewish doctors, and I got them on video. And they said, well, those doctors didn't understand Yiddish. So then I went to a doctor here in Jerusalem who spoke with Rav Moshe, who understands Yiddish and speaks Yiddish, and said, that's what Rav Moshe told me. And they just say, no, we can't believe it. He must be lying. So like, how, what, do you, what do you want us to do to show you Rav so Moshe's wait, so- position? So, so let me go through this. So you're saying that Ramosha, you have on video, his position was that post-brain death, I assume, right? Total brain death? Right. Well, the way Rav David Feinstein says it on video is 
he says that a beating heart is not a sign of human life. And if a person is dead and cannot, because the Gemara didn't talk about brain death, the Gemara talked about being unconscious and not being able to breathe. So if the person is unconscious, can't breathe, and this breathing is irreversible, right? That's what we're, we're not talking about someone who's just choking on something, but something is irreversible, and they're unconscious. And we know the etiology of why the person has become brain dead. And we know that the brain is, is melted and there's no way for the person to, to start breathing again on his own. Then that person should donate their organs. And that's what Rav David said, is not only his, his position, but that was his father's position of what his father told him verbally. I once showed this to some rabbi who was, who was against organ donation. He said, oh, Rav David wasn't saying what Rav Moshe's position was. Rav David was saying that this was his understanding of Rav Moshe's writings. And I said, but that's not what the video was. I was the one who interviewed him. I know what I asked him. I know what he said. I know the video by heart. Go take a look at the video. You'll see what he said. He says, my father always said, a beating heart's not a sign of human life, and Jews should donate organs. Okay, question for you. Um, Rav Moshe, and I know the tshuva, Rav Moshe says it has a din of hitiz, hitiz, right? And he says, but his lashon is legamre. It has to be totally... Because you, you right. do have so I refer you, I refer you to another video uh, on our webpage. Uh, our, we have a very powerful video page on our website, hods.org, and look up Rabbi Shaptei Rappaport. Rabbi Shaptei Rappaport was married to the granddaughter of Rav Moshe Feinstein. He was the amanuensis for Rav Moshe on Igros Moshe on many of the Piskei Tshuva. He was the one who sat and authored. Rav Moshe would speak, and he would author them, and he explains in detail. That, that word that Ramosha uses in the Psaq is he was the one who wrote it. He was the one who dictated it. Who, Ramosha dictated it to Shop their Rappaport, and he wrote down the word. So he explains it there. I don't think this is the time of the place to get into the Pirte Pratim of each word of the Shakla Vitaya in the, in the, in the Piskechur of Moshe. But if you take a look at the video, he explains it all there. And what did Rabbanim respond when you, when you tell them this? Again, you know, the, sometimes you have rabbis who say that they're not that well. Uh, learned on this particular topic, and they're open to listening to both the medical and halachic things, and then they come around. There are some rabbis who I very much like and very much respect, and they disagree, and I, and I'm, and I, and I still respect them and still like them. They can disagree with me or the halachic organ donor society, but um, there are some rabbis who, when you show them the stuff, it's not even that they disagree. They just have, they're just like, you know, no, Rav Shach and Rav Yosha said no, so it's no. So we're not going to look at the stuff. We don't care to hear about the stuff. It's no. So then you say, okay, well, what about the, what about the um, hypocrisy? You know, if you think that a brain-dead person is really alive and you don't want to don donate organs, that's your prerogative. You have a right to believe that. You have a right not to donate organs. But then if you ever – so why don't you then issue a ruling to your community that you can't take an organ? I mean, where does halacha allow you – to ask a doctor to murder, because in your mind the person's alive, to murder a patient to save your life. Well, Halacha doesn't I allow for that. I understand, but respectfully, when, when somebody's an organ recipient, they're not asking the doctor yes, to they kill are. anybody. No, yes, no, they are. That's, that's not how no, it works. Let me just say the way, let me just say the way my understanding the way it works. Somebody's on an organ recipient list. Somebody dies in Phoenix, right? And they, they, they harvest the organs, and then they say, okay, let's see who's next on and the And that's list. incorrect. That's incorrect. And I okay. thank you for saying that because that's the common okay. wisdom, uh, quote-unquote wisdom, which is, is, is incorrect, that rabbis love to spread. And that's not true. Why don't you pick up the phone and speak to any transplant surgeon or any and ask them the process that it goes down? 
most, not all, but most all organs need to be tissue typed first with the individual and they know exactly who it's going to and they remove it for that person. A heart only exists outside the human body for four hours and then you can't transplant it anymore. Believe me, sometimes they put the, pa- the, the recipient and the donor in the same hospital and they'll crack the patient's chest for the recipient before they take it out of the donor. So now it is true that it's a kidney that can last 36 hours. They will take out a kidney even if they're not 100% sure who the kidney is going for, but not all the time. And there have been some cases, some cases where a heart was not removed from a donor who wanted to be an organ donor because they did not have a specific recipient with that blood type in that region that the heart could get to him within four hours. So when you put yourself on an organ donor list, let's not play games here. You're saying, I'm asking the medical establishment, UNOS, United Network of Organ Sharing, to please have a doctor remove a beating heart from a living, in their mind, right, in their mind, a living human being, remove the heart, which is akin to killing them. Remove that person's heart, kill them in order to save my life. Where does halacha allow for that? So let me respond to that, okay? If, in that protocol that you're talking about, um, there's a, a tshuva from two big paiskim, uh, the rivet of Yerushalayim, Rav Moshe Sternbach, as well as uh, as well as Rav Shmuel Baruch Werner, who was the chief rabbi of uh, of, Israel, of Tel Aviv, and they say that the the protocol for leisertzach for uh, a Jew and a guy come from different places. From a guy, it comes from the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Nayach. And from a, a from a yid, it comes from leisertzach. What's the nafkamina? The nafkamina would be, for example, a mercy killing. Al-Sertzach, you cannot kill for a mercy killing. A person's under the most excruciating pain. He's in, you're not allowed to kill the person. The Zion Mitzvahs B'nai Neach say, we follow the protocol that's established in society, and it would be considered allowed. You so remind me, you remind me of me, the let Gemara. Let me finish the point. Let me finish go my ahead, point. So therefore, in the case of an organ, a brain death, it's very, it's, it's very possible that a society that is elected, that its protocol is brain death, and therefore, the person is considered a, a doctor. Certainly, an Aina Yehudi would be allowed to remove the brain, and who would not have an Issa Whereas, on the other hand, even if somebody was a, a Geisis, right, and at the edge and in terrible pain, you would not be allowed to kill him because Leisertzach is not based upon whether it's considered a killing according to law, but it's considered based on is there any Mashu of Chiyas. This is an accepted sock of two of the. Uh, Great place, and for that reason, you would be permissible to do it. I'm giving you ask me what's a halachic source. So you remind me. You you're, so I'll give you. I'll throw back a, a gemara at you. You remind me of a famous Yerushalmi. I think it's in Baba Basra of Shimon Meshetach with the with the donkey. You familiar with that story? Yes. So he buy. So the kids, his students say, "Return." You know, we got the diamond. That's great. And he says, "No, return the diamond to the non-Jew." They said, "Don't you know the halacha? You don't have to return the stolen goods to the non-Jew." He said, "Yeah, I know the halacha, but do you think I'm a barbarian?" In other words, he's saying that you could still follow halacha and still be a barbarian. So I, I can find you halachic. I can, I can, I can wrap fifty halachas around my small finger to justify anything, but that doesn't mean that that is an ethical thing to do. Wait, wait, so, we'll go, so if you're going its ethics, we could talk about, but you're asking me, what's the halachic source? I gave you a genuine halachic source. Is okay. it ethical or not? Is it debate? I got halachic sources to, to back up Yigal Amir from murdering Yitzhak Rabin. I hope you won't be one of, one of his followers as well. You can find a halachic source for anything. The question is whether or not 
whether or not it is moral. And as we see from the Gemara and Shem Meshetach, just because you follow halacha doesn't mean you're being a moral person. You could still be acting like a barbarian. And that's what I think it is. A person who believes that a brain-dead person is still alive, but then asks another human being, a physician, to remove that heart from that living human being so you could live, I think that is immoral. That's my opinion. Let's assume you're correct. The fact that a person who does it is doing it immorally is not a reason to be matter him to kill somebody who he believes. You're saying since no, you're, no, you're right. It, no, you're no, you're no. taking it, so he must be no, that now we should allow somebody else. No, to, no, you know, I didn't say that. Don't put words. Yet. Don't put words yeah. in my mouth. Okay. I didn't say that. I'm so saying. Wait. I'm saying. Let them. Let them realize there's a cost for their conviction. Let them have enough courage to stand up for the conviction and say, I do not accept brain death as death, so I will not take organs. I'm saying there's a hypocrisy here. I'm not saying they should now allow for organ donation. No, I respect their opinion, although I disagree with it. But now get up and say, I will not take organs. That's hypocrisy. That shows you they're using halacha and manipulating halacha to do what they want to do. Not because it's the truth, not because it's Torah, not because it's halacha. They manipulate it every which way to justify whatever, whatever it is they want to do. Now I want to make a very clear point here. The halachic organ donor society we're not, we don't have poskim, we don't issue piske halacha, we're an educational organization. We try to show both sides of the debate as much as we can, and we actually offer an organ donor card that allows people to sign up and say, hey, we accept brain death, we want to donate organs upon brain death and donate all eight life-saving organs, or alternatively, we don't accept brain death, and we want to wait for the brain and the heart to stop beating, and therefore we'll, we'll donate skin and cornea which is medically all you can do after the heart stops beating. So we don't draw a line in the sand and say you're either with us or against us based on the brain death controversy. We recognize there's a debate. We offer people a card that will allow them to get one or, you know, one or the other uh, definition. Uh, that I don't have a problem with a person not rejecting brain death. I do have a problem morally with a person who rejects brain death but has no problem taking an organ. Okay, let me go back to the Psak of Ramesha. I, I, I don't disagree with that. Let me go back to the Psak of Ramesha that you're quoting, because let's Which look at one? it. In, we, we, went through, the, we went through four, four Piscatua and Igros Moshe, the, le, the, the letter from okay. Bundy. No, no, Which, no, let's go through it. The, the one that started it all is, the, is the Ramesha's Psak in Yeridei Gimelson in Kuflamid Beis, which, because there, he has many different Psak in where are not so clear, and his Lushen is, he says, Gamshek Farnirkav Hamoach Legamre, when the, 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 the brain has completely withered or uh, completely decayed, I'm not sure exactly Nirkav how you would translate it, Havik Yehutas Harash Bekayach, it's the equivalent of decapitation. So here's the question I would ask you. There are a number of meaningful uh, 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 tests out there that show that even post brain death, uh, a, a noticeable number of brain-dead patients show f- blood flow when given radionuclei tests, right? Which means, and, and that's based on a study, I think, I think, seminars I think in nuclear medicine, etc. Mm-hmm. So, so here's the question. Given that a noticeable number do have blood flow, to say that there's been total decay of the brain, right, is something that you would have to say is at best a suffix. And therefore, according to Ramesh's standard that you have to have nirkav legamre, it has to be totally rotted or, 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 or decayed, would not be a standard that we could prove without giving this radionuclide test, which they do not give for the most part. So therefore, even though you could say, look, it's not a vade ritzicha, but according to Ramesh, it should be a suffix ritzicha. How, did, how do you deal with that? 
Well, first of all, you should, you know, unfortunately, Rav Moshe has passed away, but you should have asked that question to Rav Moshe when he gave a number of rulings, halacha la in the hospital for people to donate organs. That's first. Second, as I mentioned before... All right, so let me respond to that. Let me respond yeah. to that. Rav, Rav Moshe was responding to a, 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 a question, and it's obvious from the question, from Rabbi Tendla, in which he was told that it is near Kavlagamre. So now that we know that it is not near Kavlagamre, because, and this is a test that was done, this is post Hamasli of Ramesha, that this, uh, that, that this study, because it was, a, it was a, a study that was 20 years after his death, that many of them do have blood flow, so he's responding to a Metzias that was not presented. He was, you know, First of all, I challenge, I, I challenge your, your assertion that there's blood flow to the brain after a brain death. Well, let me read it to you. Radionuclide studies, I'll, I'll read you the yeah. study. It's from 2008. Radionuclide studies in the determination of brain death, criteria, concepts, and controversies. Lionel S. Zuckier, M.D., Seminars in Nuclear right. Medicine, Volume 38, July 2008. Evidence-based right. guideline update. I mean, this is 20 years mm-hmm. or so after so a bunch of like serious things. Yes, please. Great. First, there's a doctor, a neurosurgeon, a brain surgeon, whose name is Norm Stadlin in Chicago. The guy is brilliant. And he's written about this and addressed the issue before. And I highly recommend that you go to our website at hods.org and find some of the articles that he's written to address this. That's first. Second, do you think that a gland is a brain? In other words, if you have a gland in your body, that's not the same as a brain, right? So if I have a gland that is in my skull area, but it's not necessarily a part of the brain, that wouldn't be the brain either. It's just a gland. So... What that study is talking about is that some people are after brain death, they're still their body is still able to control uh, temperature of their body, and that it seems to be that that is controlled by a gland in the skull. Now, even after your heart dies and you would determine death based on cardiac death, there's still cellular activity in the heart. There's still electrical activity in the heart, but no one says the person's alive because the heart's not functioning as a heart. So, in the brain. Even if you want to say that the certain, certain some cells are alive, that doesn't mean you have a living human being. Now, if you want to know what Ramosha meant by the word legamre, I recommend that you go to the website, hods.org, look at the video page of the, his amanuensis, Ramosha's amanuensis, who wrote that down for him and explained to you exactly what Ramosha meant. I asked him that question, and I don't want to put words in his mouth or misquote him, even a word here or there. I highly recommend that you do it. Okay, so... Give us a few other Rabbanim. Any, we have Ramesha according to Rab David Feinstein. Which other Rabbanim uh, support this position? Well, you mentioned Rav Moshe Sternbuch from the Eda Haredis, right? Right. Would you be shocked to know that he accepts brain death? I would be shocked, I honestly would Right. So I would recommend that you go to the website of where? The Halachic Organ Donor Study, HODS.org, and look at the video interview with Rav Abraham Steinberg, and look at him talk about Rav Moshe Sternbuch, and what his position was on brain death. Shlomo Zaman Arbach. Now, Halach Lamaisa, he wouldn't allow it because he did specifically say that he needed proof of every cell in the brain to die. And I'm saying that it's in contradistinction to what Ramosha wrote about, with the word Legamre. But he did say that he didn't really care about heart function, Shlomo Zaman Arbach. He cared about brain function. 
So again, caring about brain function doesn't mean I want to know that every single cell of the body, as you know, in halacha, we don't really go what, what uh, machines can test. We, we want to go what's according to the naked eye. According to the naked eye, if a person is brain dead, it means that the organism has died, the brain has died, the person can't breathe, all the other 12 neurological functions do not function, and the only and sole reason that that person's heart is beating is because he's attached to a ventilator artificially giving the heart oxygen. Without that ventilator, the heart would have stopped. So if you look at the person with the naked eye, that person is dead according to halacha, but the, or, the organism is dead, but the organs are being kept alive because it happened to have been attached to a ventilator before the person's brain had died. And now they're stuck on this ventilator. So you say Rabbi Steinberg says Rabbi, the, the, the rivet, um Ramesh Sternbach supported, which I find really, I'm going to watch yep. that video. And Chief Rabbi Avadi Yosef, Chief Rabbi Mordechai Eliyahu, Chief Rabbi Avram Shapiro, Chief Rabbi Amar, Rabbi Gedai Rabinowitz, Chief Rabbi Natanya Dovid Shlush, uh, Rabbi Shlomo, the Chief Rabbi Shlomo Gorin, Dayan uh, Shaul uh, Yisraeli. I mean, these aren't Zalm Nechemi Goldberg. I mean, these are not like insignificant poskim. Again, I'm not, there are plenty of significant poskim that don't accept brain death. I get it. I hear it. I don't agree with them, but I, I hear it. I understand it. But for people to dismiss the other camp, I mean, go to the website and look at these rabbis and look at their – they've either got videos or, or, or um, uh, articles or piske chuva, and I've tried my best to put it up there. Now, given your – I'm going to bully Nate. I'm going to do that post this. I'm, I didn't do my homework on you. I apologize. I'm going to go to HODS and go through it. Um, have you had an impact? Like, have there been more – organ donations because of your organization? Well, uh, again, in Israel, uh, I work together with Adi, so Adi deserves a lot of the credit, too. That's Israel Transplant Organization. Um, and the numbers have gone up from 3% to 16% of people who have signed organ donor cards. And uh, on the other flip side, when I started, about 120 were dying every year. Now it's down to about 80, but sometimes it pops back up depending on the year um, to, to 100. So we have had an impact, but you know, not enough. And can I ask you, what inspires you to form this organization? I wanted to get Israelis either to, I, I wasn't, I, you know, I was, enjoyed being a journalist, but I felt that only three of my articles that I ever wrote actually impacted society, and I wanted to have more of an impact. So I wanted to get Israelis either to stop smoking, which really bothered me, or to get Israelis to donate more organs. And I, when I looked at both of the issues, I saw that there were organizations and people being active on the smoking front, but there was relatively nothing being done on the uh, the organ donor front uh, from the halachic perspective, and that's why I started the organization. Well, you know, thank you very much for educating me. Wonderful okay. work. I appreciate it. Take Thanks care. very Bye -bye. much for the opportunity. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We have on the phone with us from New York City, Dr. David Simpson, a professor of neurology. He's the director of clinical neurophysiology laboratories at Mount Sinai and director of the Neuromuscular Division of the Eichen School of Medicine at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. Welcome, Dr. Simpson. Thank you. Dr. Simpson, could you, for our lay audience, define what is brain death? Brain death is essentially the loss of all meaningful brain function in a human which includes loss of the higher levels of the brain, those responsible for thinking and awareness, as well as loss of the so-called brainstem function, which is responsible for maintaining the ability to breathe, maintain heart function, 
and circulation. And when those functions are lost, that is defined as brain death. Now, Dr. Simpson, um, is there a difference between brain death and vegetative um, brain death? Like, is there a brain function? Is there a difference between the two? There is. There is. Um, so as opposed to what I've just defined as brain death, there are lighter states of loss of consciousness, which have many different terms applied to them, but one of them, as you've mentioned, is called a vegetative state, sometimes known as persistent vegetative state or chronic vegetative state. And this is defined as essentially loss of consciousness and lack of meaningful responsiveness. However, in those individuals with vegetative state, the so-called brainstem function is preserved. That is, these individuals maintain the ability to maintain breathing and circulation and heart function independently. So it's not nearly as devastating a state as brain death. Now, Dr. Simpson, many in our religious community have an issue with brain death. Because if you would Google, let's say, brain death, um, which, you know, after the Harvard criteria, they basically allow people, they allow, you know, hospitals to detach people from ventilators, etc. There's a long list, if you go on the web, of people who are, quote-unquote, brain dead, which means they were, according to medicine, dead, who've come back to life. And I'm, I'm just reading off the web now. Um, Sam Hemming, 22 years old, his parents were about to pull the plug because she was obviously brain dead with no hope of recovery. Later, she started wiggling her toe. In Des Moines, in two, May 2015, uh, Chuck Hale, uh, their daughter was brain dead, Taylor Hale. She was considered brain dead by science as she woke from her coma. In January of 2015, George Pickering, a 27-year-old Texan, woke up later that evening. A Mississippi man, I mean, there's just pages of people who are considered brain dead. And if you want to know the site I'm looking at, it's kgov.com. And as a, obviously a professor of neurology, how would you explain those situations? Well, I, I certainly respect um, observations that individuals report, and we have to look at them carefully and try and understand exactly what these cases that people are discussing truly reflect. Um, however, as a physician and as a scientist, one has to be fairly cautious in interpreting what those reports actually reflect and what they mean. And the way we do this in medical science is we look carefully at the details of these cases, how well are they documented, and most importantly, is there really evidence that these individuals truly had brain death by stringent medical criteria? And there have been many, many papers in the medical literature discussing exactly this issue. And 
I'm going to just read you one quote from one of the most authoritative publications in the medical literature discussing brain death. And this comes from the American Academy of Neurology, which is the lead organization for neurologists in the United States and worldwide. And what these organizations do is they charge a committee called the Quality Standards Subcommittee to very carefully look at all the literature available surrounding this question. And there have been numerous articles, as I've mentioned, and the particular article I'm referring to was published in 2010. The title of the article is Evidence-Based Guideline Update, Determining Brain Death in Adults. And in the abstract, which essentially discusses the main points of the article, I'm going to read the first sentence of the results and recommendations section, and it goes as follows, to quote, In adults, there are no published reports of recovery of neurologic function after a diagnosis of brain death using the criteria reviewed in the 1995 American Academy of Neurology practice parameter. Unquote. So essentially what that means is of these various cases that you're discussing of people waking up from alleged brain death, none of those reports were well documented enough to fulfill what a rigorous group would consider documentation of true brain death. So doctor, what you're saying is that post a uh a thorough brain death diagnosis, nobody in medical history has ever been recorded to wake up. I'll put it a slightly different way. In the published medical literature that has gone through rigorous peer review by scientific experts, there has not been a single documented case of an individual waking up, so to speak, or making any meaningful recovery when they had the rigorous diagnosis of brain death made by medical criteria. That is correct. Now, Dr. Simpson, I've read literature, and obviously I'm a layperson, that even post-brain death, there can be parts of the brain that are still alive, like certain segments, even though there is total brain death. Is that true? Well, it depends on how one defines parts of the brain being alive. And it depends on how that's determined. By definition, when one looks at the criteria for brain death to determine is this patient truly brain dead, there are clinical criteria that need to be fulfilled to determine brain death. That is, patients need to be in coma. That is, they have all evidence of lack of responsiveness. There needs to be absence of any brainstem function by examination. There needs to be apnea. That is, the inability of the patient to support their own breathing with very specific testing to determine that. So those are the key elements of the brain that we can examine clinically. 
Now, does that mean that every single cell in the brain is gone, is destroyed? Well, the only way to determine that would be at autopsy to essentially dissect the entire brain and look at every section in every cell to determine if every cell is gone. And you can imagine that is generally not done. So it's really more of a theoretical concept, in my opinion. So, Dr. Dr. Simpson, again, we have a late audience. Apnea means is where the brain will not, the body will not breathe because it is not getting signals from the brain to breathe. So is it true that every case of brain death, there would be no, uh, there is no ability for the body to breathe absent, you know, mechanical, you know, ventilators, et cetera, mechanical assistance? That's correct. In fact, so, in, in virtually all the criteria for brain death, one has to test and document that the individual cannot independently support their breathing without mechanical ventilation. If, if one can support their own breathing, by definition, this patient is not brain dead. Now, Dr. Simpson, in the, in, the, in the case you mentioned, a vegetative state, have people recovered from that? Yes, they have. And, in fact, there is medical literature. There is m- numerous medical articles over many years that indicate that individuals in a vegetative state can make recovery. And, for example, there's a particular paper that um, is available uh, that was published by a group from Italy in which they followed uh, a four-year period of time, 194 patients who had severe brain injury and were in vegetative state, and about 32% made some degree of functional recovery. So would you say, doctor, that those people who are confusing waking up from a coma are confusing total brain death and vegetative state? I think that there is a fair bit of confusion surrounding the definitions, and it's very important to separate individuals who are truly brain dead from those who are in vegetative state because the possibility of recovery is somewhat different. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to correct myself of a point I just made, which I stated inaccurately. In that study I mentioned of individuals with vegetative state or another um, thing called minimally conscious state, it was actually 14% of them showed some recovery over that four-year period, 14%. And that raises a very important issue, which I think we should mention. And that is, even though some patients with chronic vegetative state can make recovery, the majority of them remain in a very poor neurological state, even over many years which then raises some very important ethical controversy surrounding how one deals with an individual with vegetative state as opposed to brain death, where there is less controversy in the medical community. 
Now, Dr. Simpson, I, I don't know if this is beyond your area but of expertise, but I, I'm sure you know much better than most lay people. Could you explain to us the importance for organ donation of doing it uh, at a time post-brain death as opposed to post-circulation death? Are you comfortable answering that question? Yes, I can at least speak to it, um, although organ donation is not necessarily my area of expertise, but I could at least give you an initial response to the question. And that's as follows. If you have an individual, let's say, for example, someone was in a severe car accident and they had a very severe brain injury, and as a consequence, they are brain dead under the observation and as determined by expert physicians in the hospital. So now you have an individual who's brain dead, who is on a ventilator, may have circulatory support with medication to maintain their blood pressure, and now there's the consideration of organ donation. And in that circumstance, there are important support measures that need to be taken to maintain circulation, maintain oxygenation to those organs so that they will remain essentially viable or healthy in order for them to be suitable for organ donation. And that determination is made and those steps are taken after brain death is determined. So, Dr. Um, Simpson, um, do you hesitate when somebody is declared brain dead to um, to you know order you know the hospital or to give the you know as far as detaching machines etc. or are you like what's your, the protocol you follow? If one looks at different hospitals, both around the United States and around the world, and then one looks at even individual physicians you will find some variability in approach and practice. But it's fair to say that, at least in the U.S. and probably in most of the world, whereas the medical decision-making in a brain-dead patient is not controversial, and I think there's a unanimous opinion that once a patient is declared brain-dead, that the likelihood of any meaningful recovery is virtually zero, Medically, it is felt appropriate to withdraw life support measures. However, before one does that, it is extremely important to have a discussion with the family, with the caregivers, with the healthcare proxy, and have an open discussion about the circumstances, and hopefully to have an agreement between the family and the physicians as to the appropriate course of action. One never wants to face a situation where there's a disagreement between the physicians and the family and have the physicians essentially overrule the family's wishes. That's just not good medical care. And in most circumstances, I should say, with a careful and, and sympathetic discussion, usually one can reach a consensus of opinion, with some exceptions, as you might imagine, including, in some circumstances, religious objections that may be very relevant to the audience listening to these discussions.
Well, Dr. Simpson, thank you for sharing your knowledge with us. We appreciate it. This is Dr. David Simpson, Professor of Neurology, Director of Clinical Neurophysiology Laboratories at Mount Sinai, Director of Neuromuscular Division of ICANN School of Medicine at Mount Sinai Hospital. Thank you, Dr. Simpson. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. 